And then one other special guest I'd like to introduce, my own flesh and blood, my nephew, Chase, my sister's boy, is here. Chase, you can stand up, Chase. I know you so. That's my nephew, Chase. He's never been to New York. He's never been on the East Coast. So he came, spent the weekend with me, and we've, I've been giving him the whirlwind tour. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared about some uh, three young teenagers who were driving home, stopped their car because they saw a house on fire, went in and rescued two adults and became instant heroes in the Detroit area. I mean, you can Google it. You can Google it and read the story and see the interviews. Well, one of those three young teenagers was my nephew, Chase. And he... Totally embarrassing him, but that's okay. He'll be giving classes on being a superhero after church today, so if anybody needs some advice, he's, no, but he is amazing, and I love him, and I'm so proud of him, and happy that he's been able to come here and be, just to spend time with Uncle Phil this weekend, so... Speaking of heroes, we are going to talk about a hero in the faith, a man named Moses. We talked about Moses at our last service on, at midweek. Um, we talked a little bit about him and his calling. And if you missed that lesson, you can go online. You can listen to that lesson. Uh, and we specifically looked at Moses on Wednesday because when he was called, he offered up a variety of excuses as to why he wasn't the right guy for the job. And we didn't read that, we didn't study that because we were trying to learn more excuses or add excuses to our own repertoire when God calls us to do. That's not why we studied. We studied it because with every response or every, every, every uh, sort of smokescreen that, that, that Moses threw up, God came back with an answer. And that's what we were trying to see, where we identify ourselves in there. Uh, what, how does God respond? What does God say to us when he calls us and we are resistant to do his will? But today we want to give this guy Moses another shot, okay? Uh, I, think he, I think he's got some potential. I think he's a good guy. We're going to give him a shot and see what, what he can do. In fact, we're going to jump into the New Testament and we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses a little bit more in this topic that we've been studying for weeks now, and that is growing faith. Growing faith in our hearts individually and growing faith in, in, in our, our, our church here collectively. So uh, as we are studying out growing faith, let's go ahead and look back at Moses and see maybe, uh, maybe there's still some good in there. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. It says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Okay, so this guy Moses really turns out to be a pretty epic person of faith, despite 
his difficult beginning, right? Despite being called by God and being resistant and not wanting to do what God wanted him to do at first. But after he gets through that, he really is and does and becomes a, a, a pillar of faith for us today. So that's why we're going to go back and look at Moses one more time and try to pull some things out, really dissect his convictions to help us today discover what it really means to be people of faith. Now, if you haven't figured this out yet, listening to my lessons, I like practical points. You know, I, I grew up going to church my whole life and for the early part of my life, church was just sort of something distant and something I did and something I didn't really connect with. It was something I believed in and saw, sort of God was way over there. But, but as I got older, I realized God's not way over there. God's right here. And God wants to be a part of my life. And God wants, through his word, to really help, uh, help, help the word of God sink in practically into our lives. So today will be no different. We've got some very practical things for us from this passage. I'm not making these up. I'm hopefully pulling them right out of the text. But I like to make it, uh, our, my points very practical. And sometimes they even rhyme. So there you go. And today, today will be no exception. So, all right. What are we going to learn from this guy, Moses, about growing faith? Well, one of the first things we learn from him is this. In order to be a faithful person, you have to refuse some things. All right, in order to be a faithful person of God, in order to build faith, at some point in your spiritual walk, you're going to have to refuse some things. Back in our text, verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So faith for Moses required him to refuse something. To understand the history a little bit here, you can go back and look at the background. Pharaoh, when Moses was a baby, Pharaoh had decreed that all babies, uh, all, all the babies would be killed. All the, the baby boys would be killed. So his parents took him, put him in a basket, and put him in the river to protect him in the Nile River. And as he floated, you know, I was going to say fate would have it, but I don't think it's fate. I think it was God would have it that baby Moses floated down the river where who other than Pharaoh's daughter was out at the river and saw the baby, took the baby in, and raised Moses in Pharaoh's house. So Pharaoh, who was trying to destroy the babies, ends up raising one of the babies, Moses, in his own house. But later, later, when Moses grew up and he got older, in order to save his people, the Hebrews, he became an enemy of Pharaoh. He refused the benefits of growing up in the house of Pharaoh. He refused these benefits in order to help his people. And so this is the lesson that I think we can take away when it comes to building faith, is if we want to be people of faith, there are going to be times when we're going to have to refuse something. Something that may seem good, something that may seem enjoyable, something that may seem Right at the time, we may have to refuse some things. The Bible is full of examples like this, all through the scriptures. Remember Daniel. He was a prisoner of war in Daniel chapter 1. He was far from home. But when offered the choice foods, he refused to defile himself with them and ate other foods instead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3 also captured, refused to bow down in worship to a golden statue. Instead, would only worship God. Think about Joseph 
In Genesis 39, Potiphar's wife tried regularly to seduce him and one time even threw herself at him. And what did Joseph do? He ran away. He refused this because of his faith in God. Even Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, remember the story? He was offered uh, wine mixed with gall to drink. And the Bible says when he tasted it, recognized what it was, it says he refused it. Well, what was that? What was wine and gall? What was it? Well, it was a, it was a painkiller. They were offering him a painkiller, and when he realized it, he refused it. And this is not, you know, Jesus wasn't teaching that painkillers are wrong. I mean, for goodness sake, if you, if you have a headache, please, you can take something for your headache, or if you have pain, that, that, that's not the lesson. But for Jesus, in that moment, at that time, in order to not shortcut his purpose and to provide an excuse for people to, to think that, you know, well, he just, you know, he didn't even feel anything anyway. He refused something because of his faith. This is the point. Sometimes, like Moses, in our faith, we're going to have to refuse some things. You know, it's uncomfortable and it's hard to refuse things. I remember waiting tables when I was in college. I waited tables at a, at a restaurant in Dobbs Ferry, New York, in Westchester County. And I remember I was young in my faith. And if you've ever waited tables before, you know how it works. Waiters get paid like $2 an hour. That's what I got paid. And then, and then you get tips. That's, that's, so this is why you always tip your waiters, folks. All right? Always tip your waiters. Uh, because that's how they get paid. And I, um, and I remember at the end of the day, when we clock out, you had to report your tips. They knew how many hours you worked, and they could multiply that by the $2. But they didn't know your tips. And so you had to, at the end of the day, report your tips to, to, you know, to, your, to my boss. You had to report them so that they could include them in your taxable income, and you could they would withhold taxes. you pay taxes on them. And as a young man in my faith, I, I wanted to be righteous and I wanted to be holy, so I always, always reported my tips, 100%, always. But what, you know, the, the culture, though, amongst the waiters was not to report tips. I mean, people would, eh, I'll report, you got to report something because they know you made tips, but I'm going to keep some of it in my pocket. But I wanted to be righteous and I wanted to do the right thing, and so I always reported my tips. And I remember it didn't matter to anybody until one time, when a big party came into the restaurant, and it was such a big party that one waiter couldn't handle it, so they assigned two waiters, me and another guy. And we worked the table, people had a great time, left us a big tip, everything was great. And after the party was over, he came up to me and goes, okay, Phil, we gotta talk. Because we gotta decide how much of the tips we're gonna report. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we gotta decide, we both gotta report. They know that we shared the tips, so we both gotta say the same thing. I said, well, listen, dude, I, I hate to break it to you, but I'm reporting 100% of my tips. He goes, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. He go, I said, why? He goes, well, because if you do that, then I have to do that. Because I can't report less than you, because then they'll know that I'm underreporting. And I said, no, no, no. I, I, I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing. I'm going to report my tips. You can, you can report whatever you want, but this is what I'm going to do. And I did, and he was not happy with me because he had to end up reporting the, the, his, his tips, his full tips as well. My point, my point is this, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. It is hard sometimes. Now you may be thinking, Phil, that sounds so petty. That sounds so little, but that's where faith is built. Faith is not built in the grand epic things we do. Faith is built in the everyday little 
petty things that we refuse in because of our faith. That's where faith is built. And like Moses, sometimes if we are going to be people of faith, there's going to be times when because of our faith, we're going to have to refuse things. There are temporary things in this life that claim to offer happiness and fulfillment and hope. But in the end, in time, they prove to be false. They prove to be empty. They prove to be hopeless. Are you willing to see through the facade of those things and refuse those temporary things because you know that God has something greater for you? Being a faithful person requires that sometimes we refuse them some things. This is faith. Jesus said it like this, Luke 9, verse 23. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. So that's where we find our life, is when we're ready to lose it. To be faithful, we're going to have to refuse some things. To be faithful people, secondly... We're going to have to choose some things. So if you're going to be faithful, you and I, like Moses, we're learning from Moses here, we're going to have to refuse some things. But we're also going to have to choose some things. Going back to our text here in Hebrews 11, verse 25. He chose to be mistreated. Talking about Moses. With the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his great reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. If we, you and I, are to be people of faith, there are some things we're going to need to refuse, and then there's some things we're going to need to purposely choose. There's some things we're going to need to choose on purpose. What did he choose? Well, going back to the verses, what did he choose? He chose to be mistreated. He chose, it's verse 25. Verse 26, he chose, chose disgrace. Uh, verse 27, he chose to leave his home. Why? Why would he do that? Why would a person choose these miserable things? Why? Well, Quite simply, the Bible says, he did the math. He did the math. He looked at the, fa the facts. He realized, it says, that the pleasures of sin were temporary. He realized that those treasures of Egypt did not compare even remotely to the treasures of heaven. He did the math and realized the invisible God was watching all the time. And so that gave him the power and the strength to persevere. People think that being a Christian is crazy. They're like, ah, oh, you're a Christian. You believe in that Jesus guy, right? The whole hocus pocus Jesus thing, right? Is that what you're into? But the truth is, Christians aren't crazy. Christians just know the facts. They know the facts. They know that there's a heaven. 
They know that there's a God. They know there's a hell. They know there's eternity. They know these facts. And so now that you know these facts, wouldn't you make similar choices? You say, we're not crazy. We're just doing the math. And that's what he did. That's why he chose the things he chose, because he knew what was really happening. If there's a test next Friday, right, and I'm studying for this test, would you mock me for that? If like, there's a test next Friday, you need to be ready, and I'm preparing for it, would you mock me for studying? Or if you wait around till, you know, till Friday rolls around, and that's when you just choose to go ahead and go with the test, now who's the crazy one? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? The point is, Moses understood the facts. He understood that what the world offered was temporary, and what God offered was eternal. And because of those facts, he chose what he chose. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. Faith is choosing things. Even though it may not make sense in the moment or make sense to the people around you, you still choose them because they're eternal. Listen to what Jesus said about these, these type of choices. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Here are some choices Jesus gave out. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. A couple verses later, verse 35, he says, then, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high God because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Jesus is calling the same math. He's saying you can make choices that seem counterintuitive. You can make choices that may not make sense to the people around you and maybe don't even make sense to you at times. You know, like, you know, turning the other cheek, you know, loving your enemy. I mean, these are, you know, praying when you're mistreated, praying for the person. These are crazy choices. But why? Because your reward is great. The, the reward waiting for you're not going to go to heaven and just kind of eke in and sit on the background and be like, ah, oh, so glad I'm here. No, God's going to be like, yes. We have this epic, great reward for you. Welcome to heaven. It is going to be worth all the choices that you made here on earth. So the call is for us to choose wisely. Choose well. Make choices based on faith. That's what Moses did. And that's what faith looks like. Faith looks like Choose, refusing some things, choosing some things. And the final point that I'd like to pull out from here is this, is faith means we never confuse some things. I told you it would rhyme, right? I'm a poet. Refuse some things, choose some things, but never confuse some things. Let me tell you what I mean here. Back in verse 28 of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, 
he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Okay, in order to understand that verse, let me just give you a quick background. Uh, you know, the background of the Passover and what the Passover was. The Israelites were enslaved. As you know, they cried out to God. They asked God for help. God sent a man named Moses. Moses came. And after a series of 10 terrible plagues, each one kind of getting worse, and the last one was the worst, after a series of 10 plagues, they finally were released by Pharaoh. The Israelites were. But this last plague, the 10th plague, was by far the worst of the plagues. This, this one was the one where the Spirit of God was going to come in and Spirit of Death would, would take the life of the firstborn in every family. Humans, animals, the firstborn was going to die. But in order to protect the Israelites, they were given some very specific directions. In fact, let me read them to you. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 6. They were to take a lamb, it says, this lamb, take care of them, the lamb, until the 14th day of the month, when the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them, the lamb, at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the house where they are to eat the lambs. Then that night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, the legs, and the internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste as it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, this is the 10th plague, every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike you. Egypt. The plague was coming, this terrible plague, but there was a way around it. There was a way out, and it included very specific directions. I mean, a lamb, some blood, uh, bread without leaven, um, clothes tucked in your belt, like the how you eat it, the way you eat it. I mean, they had to be ready to go, is basically. They had everything go, because when God let them go, they were going to go, and they had to be ready to go. But precision was expected, right? Would you agree? Precision in that situation was expected. They were not to confuse God's direction. And Moses here is commended as a man of faith because he did not confuse the direction from God. You know, this was what God was, was expecting. What about the guy who showed up a little late and he's like, ah, I don't know about this whole lamb thing. I'm not, blood's not really my thing, bro. You know, is there something else? You know, maybe some Diet Coke. Can we put some Diet, you know? Like, can you imagine somebody showing up and looking for some loopholes? You know, this lamb, you know, this, this, this is my kid's lamb, you know, they'll be heartbroken if I, so, you know, I mean, imagine somebody showing up. What, what would happen to that person? They would become a victim of the plague. Again, precision 
was expected. And before we get too, you know, critical of this, we expect this level of precision all the time, don't we? I mean, imagine you're on an airplane about to land at Newark, and the pilot comes up and he's like, hey, I don't know about all these buttons, you know, <laughs> you know. I see a couple landing strips. There's some, there's a grassy field. Oh wait, there's the Hudson River. You know what? Let's just see what happens, right? Would you, you would not want that. No, you want precision. You know, we expect it. We're like, no, please do your job. Land the plane safely. That's what we want. So precision isn't a foreign concept to us, especially when it matters important things and what's more important than your your spiritual condition that's the point moses was commended as a man to faith because he did not confuse it he did what god said you know god is very clear about things in his bible i mean there's god is very clear there are things that we try to make confusing but they're not confusing. Sometimes we just, just don't want to do them, so we try to make them confusing. Like, for example, getting baptized. I mean, the Bible is so clear. You get baptized, you repent of your sins, you get baptized, and that's how a person becomes a Christian. We don't pray our Jesus into our heart. That's not in the Bible. Hey, don't get me wrong. I hope you pray Jesus into every part of your body, not just your heart. Love Jesus in you. But the way you become a Christian, the Bible says, you get baptized. You repent, you get baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. The Bible talks about drunkenness. Drunkenness is a sin. It doesn't say alcohol is a sin. Drinking wine or drinking alcohol is not a sin. But getting drunk is. And you know, I know, when we've had too much alcohol and we've gotten too close to that line. And you begin to get into the realm of sin. It's not clear. I mean, it's not, it's not unclear. It's not confusing. That's what the Bible teaches. Complaining. Philippians chapter 2. Guess what God's uh, recipe or, or, or remedy is for complaining? Don't. <laughs> That's it. Philippians 2. Do everything without it. Everything. So what about this? Yep, that's everything. But what about when I'm over here? Yep, that's included. Everything. Do everything without complaining. Pray, uh, prayer. The Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Pray continually is what it says. Verse 17. That means all the time. Continually being people of prayer. Not confusing. It's hard. But it's not confusing, right? Faith. We've been talking a lot about faith. Faith is not an option for a believer. You've got to be a person of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can't be like, I just don't have faith, but I hope God's pleased. He's not. You must have faith. And, or you may have weak faith. That's why we're talking about it. We're trying, to, we're trying to grow it. I'm not trying to criticize where we're at. I'm just trying to say these are very clear things. They demand our, our, our precision. How about forgiveness? The Bible is so clear about forgiveness. One, it's very clear about the forgiveness you get from God. It is complete. It is, it is absolute. 1 John chapter 1, God completely cleanses you of your sins when you become a Christian. You're not just a good person with a few sins on your soul. No, the Bible teaches you're completely forgiven. Gone. You are cleansed. The blood of Jesus wipes away your sins. It is clear about it. It's hard to, to, to accept sometimes, but that is what the Bible says. That is the forgiveness you get. And then the Bible is very clear about giving away forgiveness, that you and I should then turn around and give it. In fact, we should give it, according to Colossians chapter 3, the way we've been given it from God. Like we should forgive. It doesn't mean you get to hold a grudge. 
Doesn't mean that you get to be like, ah, I don't really like that person. Ah, you know, that person back to, no, you forgive, forgive, forgive. Again, precision. That's what's required. The Bible is not confusing on these issues. There are plenty of things in the Bible, yes, that I know that may bring up questions or may require us deeper study. There are deeper things of the Bible. Thank God for our teaching ministry who help us with the second Judy, uh, Jude, the temple of Jude. I even said it wrong. Sorry, I'm sorry. See what I'm saying? But there are, there are plenty of things that are not confusing. Plenty of them that will keep you and I busy. The point is to remember that precision is what brings hope of escaping the plague. Precision, not confusion, is what gives us this chance to live. That's why it's important. We gotta be careful. I think this applies especially in this world that we live in today. I don't know how else to say it, but this world that we live in is so full of venom. Isn't it? I mean, there is so much venom out there. I mean, politics, um, 24-hour news channels, social media. You know, I go on Facebook and people post stuff. I just can't. I don't want to hear. I just want to see it. It's 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 just like poison. I just mute them. I'm like, I don't even, I love you, but I don't want to hear that. I'm not going to look at that. And I have to be very careful. You know, and I'm not saying that we should be disconnected. I mean, I'm very connected. I know what's going on in the world. That's why I'm speaking about it right now. I voted on Tuesday. I went and got out and voted. You know, I mean, I'm engaged, but I don't indulge in that. I don't, I'm not, I don't sit and let that marinate in my heart. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because when we let the, the venom of the world start marinating in our hearts, then what that does is it creates confusion about God in our hearts. What it does is we sit back and start doubting whether God's solution is really valuable. For example, I just read to you a minute ago how Jesus himself, our leader, told us to love your enemy. Our leader said, if someone slaps you in the cheek, turn the other cheek, give him the other cheek. That's what our leader said. How many of you sat there and went, mm-hmm. when I read that, you went, ah, I don't know. You know, really? Does he really? What's the Greek say, Bobby? What is the real Greek? <laughs> Does, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's what I'm saying. That's what happens when the world, this venom in the world starts seeping into our hearts. We start thinking we're confused. It's not that the word of God's confusing. It's not confusing. We start, we start thinking it's confusing. And it's, that's the plan. That's Satan's plan. Because it's the word. It's the precision of the word. It's praying for people who mistreat you. Right? What else does it say? It, it talks about blessing those who curse you. You know, doing good to those who hate you. Someone hates you? You go to their house with a cake. And say, hey, I don't know. I just made that up. But that's doing good. Right? You, you fill their tank with gas. They hate me. Right, here's a gift card to the grocery store. You're, that's what Jesus said. That's not confusing. But we doubt that when we let the world and all the hatred and anger penetrate into our hearts. So a wise person once said that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. 
That was Jesus, by the way. Anyway, that's the wise person that said that. Another wise person said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. That was Mark Twain, yeah. It wasn't Jesus. Mark Twain said that. This is what it means to build faith. It's not easy. In fact, it's quite challenging. It's difficult, but it, the reward is going to be so great. It is so going to be worth it when we're done. And if we want to be people of faith, you know, there, we're going to have to refuse some things. We're going to have to choose some things. And we're also going to have to make sure we never confuse some things. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Let us be men and women of faith. Let us refuse, choose, and never confuse. Thank you. Amen. Amen.